everybody, this is Nathan here with Jake, and you're about to listen to what we call Sound of Sanity 1.0. Now, Jake, what do we mean when we say Sanity 1.0? Well, Sound of Sanity was a show we'd been wanting to do for a really long time, and we'd never really seen our way clear to getting it off the ground. Right, so one day we decided the best way to get it off the ground was just to sit down, hit record, three friends talking into microphones. Since that time, the show has changed and grown a whole lot. The modern version of Sound of Sanity really began to develop around episode 34 on Jordan B. Peterson. Yeah, there's some stuff we're really proud of in this early iteration of this show and some stuff we're possibly, probably, maybe not so proud of. But there's some good stuff and we wanted to leave these up. Plus, we thought it'd be fun for people who know the current show to go back and see how far the show's come. Yeah, fun and maybe sometimes a little humbling. No doubt. Anyway, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the current version of the show. That's right. And meanwhile, please enjoy this episode from the archives. You are now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Welcome to the Sound of Sanity. This is Nathan Emerson, your humble and obedient host. I'm joined by the pastor, Jacob Menzel, CEO of Warhorn Media. How you doing, Jake? I'm doing well. How are you, Nathan? I'm too blessed to be depressed. Got an attitude of gratitude, as always. Happy to be here in the year. Better than you deserve. Better than I deserve. Happy to be here in the year 2018. And why wouldn't I be? Especially when I'm joined by Benjamin Sulzer, the uh, production assistant right there, the PA. How you doing, Ben? Good, Nathan. Ready to go, turning the knobs and the dials, ready to make great content for the people out there that expect and deserve it. That's right. True or false? It's true. Everything I said was true. Guys, today we are talking about quite possibly the most dire threat faced by humanity. Is that so? Content overload. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, it's a little bit of a boohoo white boy problem. I just wanted to get that out of the way. Rip that bandage right off. (laughs) Today, guys, we are going to be talking about content overload. This is a problem that people have. This is like, you know, Sound of Sanity, one of those shows, we don't just think hypothetically about what might be causing other people to feel insane. We also think about like, you know, in, a, in any kind of like a pitch meeting for Sound of Sanity, it's like, okay, guys, what have you been feeling insane? And certainly one of the things we decided we'd been feeling insane about was content, content overload. overload. Jake, what do we mean when we say content overload? We mean we've got the whole world at our fingertips with the internet for five bucks a month. You can subscribe to Spotify or Amazon Music or Apple Music, have access to pretty much every recording of every song ever. Right. And it's all there. And uh, where do you start? Doesn't that kind of cheapen things? And isn't it weird to be able to just sort of listen to anything ever? Yeah, I don't know if you guys like me have spent an evening going through Wherever Netflix, you are. trying to decide on what to watch, and you suddenly ha- realize like, oh, I'm gonna have to go to bed because I just spent an hour like scrolling through Netflix. And to choose any one thing would be to die to a thousand other things. <laughs> right, it's not that right. I'm not finding anything. It's that there's lots of things I might like, but I don't know what to do. And then there's the like, well, this is sort of here for free, but. I could just flip over to iTunes or Amazon and well, Amazon Prime Video has all kinds of other options. And then, you know, but for like three or four bucks, I could rent 
something and just have it download instantly and I, I should probably sign up for Hulu and I'd have I could watch The Handmaid's Tale see how <laughs> life in these American United States is supposed to be you know that's right <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a call back to something that we talked about like last year so you can find that episode somewhere all the movies all the music ever created ever set to recording ever put on screen you could pretty much dial up and listen to watch engage with Give yourself to, I mean, have we lost something now that we don't use, it used to be like you had to go to Blockbuster and you could only pick one or two movies for the, 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 the. <laughs> used to be you had to get in your car and drive five minutes to get to a store <laughs> that had almost every movie ever made in a world where movies had only been around for 80 years. Okay. So it's a little bit of a boohoo white boy problem, but. We're going to be talking. We, we talk about boohoo white boy problems on Sound of Sanity too, because turns out people really do. Have we these are problems. actually first world white boys, right? We actually do have first world problems, and we admit this is a, this is this is one of them. Are, but are we going to talk about how you sometimes you know you go to Redbox, you drive by a few minutes still, and then Redbox jams, and you can't get your discount, <laughs> <laughs> or it's, no! a, it's a little it's a little scratched, and you're like, what is this? What I paid a dollar for this movie? And yeah, then, no, know. I will be writing a strongly worded $1. letter. fifty now. They up oh, the prices. Goodness. They up the it's price just, on Redbox. It just makes me, it just cheeses me off. So much. they are <laughs> persecuting you off. They're that's hilarious. Persecuting the little guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So yeah. Anyway, content overload. You've got for the booking. We do books. Obviously, it's another podcast that we do, and we were doing some short stories. Ray Bradbury and I didn't bother to read the short stories, or to I did bother to read the short stories. I didn't bother to get a book of the short stories because I just assumed that I could on Google find these short stories. Some of the short stories were rather obscure, and I couldn't find them except for like on weird Czechoslovakian sites where they probably didn't belong, and it made me angry. <laughs> Why is this content not just at my fingertips? I should have this. Yeah. There's no yeah. reason that I should actually have to buy a book in order to read five short stories by Ray Bradbury. They should just be here for me because that's my expectation of disposable content of that type is that um but see i just i just ca called a short story that ray bradbury poured his life into i just called it disposable content because that's how i've been taught to think about all this content because it's content overload that we're dealing with woe is me woe is me for i cannot properly Engage with my content. Oh, curse. Curse the womb of my mother. Me, the son of a mother who <laughs> bore me into a world of content. <laughs> a world of a plethora of content that I do not know how to engage with. Whatever shall I do? Nerdy, stupid friend, advise me, offer me succor. Surely in this dark world of content overload, you can find solace in physical media. I can help you. I have vinyl. <laughs> Get behind me, hipster. I will now turn to my cool friend. Cool friend, offer me your sucker. <laughs> All I got is Tootsie Pop, man. <laughs> you can have it. Uh, actually, I think you should wait until you've listened to some other Miles Davis, uh, not CDs, but records. And I can help you with that, because I have a lot of them. We could listen to them. <laughs> 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 Thou art the worst. <laughs> <laughs> the end. All right, guys. Content overload. 
So as we think about what kind of baggage we bring to a discussion of content overload, how did we, how do we, how have we, historically speaking, figured out what was worthwhile to engage with content-wise? So as I've had to engage with the plethora of content that is out there, I've always been the kind of guy that wants to be hands-on with it myself, that wants to find the things that I like. I've always sort of resented anyone telling me what to do or telling me how my tastes uh, should be formed. I've always just wanted to – I was very early – user of websites like Annette Cool News and different websites online that would tell you about pop culture and about movies and music. The bad thing that the internet does is it gives everyone a voice because some people are stupid and don't deserve a voice. The good thing that the internet does is it gives everyone a voice because there's lots of people out there who might not necessarily be hired by the New York Times or by the, you know, Eastern Seaboard Illuminati or that, that but that are smart and are capable and know a lot about any given topic. So it's fun to be able to find specialists online and have them be the ones that curate content and tell you what to do and how to how to interact with things and what's cool and what's not cool. And I was always quick to sort of find my own guys that I liked and slow to allow anyone in real life to dictate what my taste was going to be. So that's that's my the way I've interacted with it in a nutshell. I've watched the rise and fall of many websites like that as they've become, you know, subsumed by corporate interest and all that sort of thing. And at Cool News is in shambles these days. Their leader was one of the people that went down with the recent uh, sex scandals and stuff like that. But it was a pretty powerful early influence because it was just a bunch of nerds that were in the LA movie scene and could sneak into previews and could get scoops and just let you know what was going on. And I've just always enjoyed that kind of stuff, enjoyed getting the inside scoop and finding out what was cool. I don't know. It's like a weird sort of insider. Like I don't want to just get the perspective of the people that are complete insiders because they're just going to tow the company line and tell you what they think you need to hear. I don't want to hear the perspective of some outsider, some Christian guy who's not a part of the industry, who's just trying to work right for Focus on the Family or World Magazine or whatever and tell you like what you should watch, like who cares what that guy thinks. But if you can find someone in between, someone that maybe shares some of your values, maybe is smart, but also is just outside of it enough that they can kind of bring some perspective to it. Those are the guys that I always look for. Ben? How, do you, how, how have you historically engaged with content, figured out what movies to watch, which music to listen to, all that kind of stuff? Back in the day, I used to read Ain't It Cool obsessively myself and a few other websites like that. But my gateway into sites like that was the Lord of the Rings movies back when they were just a twinkle in Peter Jackson's eye. <laughs> um, and I, I, remember being, <laughs> I remember being so, so excited. And so I just, I, I started out on dedicated Lord of the Rings movie websites, you know, trying, following most things that were happening and watching that, that first trailer they made that showed bits of footage mm-hmm. and bits of interview with Peter Jackson, watching that like a million times and ready to be quite disappointed when I finally saw the movie. But mm-hmm. that's another story. From there, I'm, I must have made it onto Ain't It Cool and then just kept up with movies kind of obsessively from then on, especially, you know, stuff like Lord of the Rings or superhero movies or anything fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love that stuff. 
And so I would read, yeah, I would read, you know, the hot takes, the early reactions and reviews to things like that and get a feeling for whether I wanted to see them. But that, by the way, was the end of Anna Cool News. Lord of the Rings was one of the harbing, har, harbingers, is that how you say that word? Mm. Harbingers of doom, because what happened is Peter Jackson became friends with those guys and mm. had them out and their opinions. And then, and then the studios realized, hey, <laughs> these guys really like it when we give them free stuff and let them come on set and let them engage and, and all these sort of nerdy new generation of filmmakers like Peter Jackson and Guillermo del Toro and the, you know these guys Robert Rodriguez Robert, yeah these guys Quentin Tarantino these guys are part of the film community and they grew up nerding out just like all these nerds so let's put them together and they'll enjoy each other and then they'll give us good reviews and they'll it, it, inspire the community mm. to rally around different movies and it all became you know it all went corporate and well yeah so I so what that means really is that I, I made it onto Ain't It Cool News at the time when what made it special had gone away. I think it was starting to. Harry yeah. Knowles, the leader of Ain't It Cool News, was invited to a press junket of Godzilla 97, the terrible Godzilla movie, mm-hmm. and then wrote a glowing review of Godzilla, which the entire internet turned on him for. This was before Twitter, but the entire internet hmm. still figured out how to turn on him, and then he had to backtrack and say, well, actually, Godzilla was terrible, and that's when his credibility began to, began to crumble. Yeah, I, and I always remember being kind of grossed out by Ain't It Cool News, but I liked reading the early release stuff anyway. Yeah. Hot takes, yeah. It's been sad to me. What's happened with a lot of those websites is now it feels like the Associated Press does a story, and then all those websites report on the story that the Associated like, and it cool used to offer real value. Like they'd sneak into things and they'd get early. Re- like you'd actually be reading somebody who'd engaged with the material somehow. Now we're all engaging with someone else's engagement. Oh, Disney released a trailer, a new trailer for Star Wars. Now everybody's going to give their hot take. And the only real value that these websites are doing is giving you hot takes on somebody else's material as opposed to actually generating any kind of real news or reporting or original ideas. But boohoo so sad i guess whatever jake what how, how, how have you historically sorted out the plethora of content that is out there with movies and music all of my obsessive nerdy impulses were uh directed away from nerdy things early on and into the world of of sports that's right and so i i didn't know that ain't it cool i, I never knew that ain't it cool was a thing still don't know that it was actually a thing, except right. that you guys say it's a thing. Right. I, I kind of think it's a little suspect that it's a thing because I didn't know it was a thing. Right. Never really big into movies, except for the blockbusters or whatever. But that meant I wasn't really big into movies because a lot of blockbuster movies were kind of stupid. Movies were an excuse to take a girl to the theater. Was it the same thing with music? You'd just be listening. To music, it. music, a little, little different story. Did try to dig into music and and get as much experience in music as I could outside of. I mean, I was into mainstream stuff, don't get me wrong. It was rap, hip-hop, R&B. My parents were into country music, and so it was sort of just navigating and trying to figure out what I liked and what I didn't like and where I would land and getting it. Then it, as I matured into the catalog of Bob Dylan and the Beatles and stuff like that and really trying to explore that sort of thing. And, and I think it sort of went along with my like discovery of, of Shakespeare, which if you are a fan of the bookening, and want some more context for this sort of thing, you should you should go listen to me talk about that. But the, sort of this awakening moment of, oh, wow, there are people out there that are really smart mm-hmm. and uh, really clever and really creative, really know me better than I know myself. And so I should really try to find some of these masters of... And so I, I looked in, in literature, I also looked in, in music for that sort of thing, the guy that could really, you know, capture that insight, that poetic insight in a song. 
I don't know. So if, if we're talking about the baggage we bring to a conversation like this about just content overload, mm-hmm. uh, Spotify did this thing where they sent out to their users what you listened to in 2017 before sure. 2017 was over. I don't know how this stacks up to other people. Maybe other people will be like, man, you didn't listen to any music or man, you listen to a lot of music. Me, for example, I listen to on my Spotify account, which I only listen to basically in the car. We have a family account. All of our devices at home are hooked up to my wife's Spotify. So this so. doesn't represent what you'd be listening to in the living room at home? No, yeah, like anything that. that's just sort of like playing at home. This is not representative of what I want. Well, this is me at, I think, pretty much in the car or whatever. I listen to 9,357 minutes of music. It's about a half hour a day. 1,013 different songs, 403 different artists, and explored 15 different genres of music. I feel like I had a pretty tame vanilla 2017 in mm-hmm. terms of music, but just the, the facts are kind of absurd. I bet you did, and I bet what you the stats you just read are vanilla stats. I bet they are, which yeah. Which is kind of crazy because it's not vanilla at well, all. Well, you just 403 different people or artists, so that probably includes bands, right? Like bands of multiple people, like creators out there. Some of it's classical music represent whole symphonies. Like mm-hmm. um, You really have to take a step back and realize, like, and I'm, I'm sure this might be something we'll talk about more later, but it's like the, the most wealthy and great and powerful kings of any other era the the stuff that your your lame vanilla spotify account takes for granted <laughs> 15 genres of music well king louis the 15th. 15th he probably heard one genre of music maybe two and if he wanted to conjure up a song he would have to like Sure, he could have it done, but he would have to like. He would have to patron, patronize then, uh, an entire orchestra, and then they'd get the orchestra to get like he couldn't just like be like, "Hey Alexa, play me some jazz," because that's what I like to clean the house to, or whatever. He'd have to be like, "Yeah, we shall hold a royal <laughs> performance on a, the next fortnight." Yeah, it's crazy what we take for granted now. Yeah, it's it's really really absurd. It's amazing. I come to a discussion of content overload with, I'm a Netflix subscriber. I'm a Amazon Prime subscriber. I'm a Spotify subscriber. Yeah. So. I'm a subscriber to all those things or to things that are equivalent. And my bias is towards, I guess maybe a piece of baggage I can offer. My, my bias is towards loving those things. I think we're so blessed to be able to just conjure up music like people would have killed for in other centuries to be able to have the genie-like power of just to be able to, oh, I have homework. I guess I'll have something that Mozart sweated blood for just play in the background so I can do my homework a little bit better. You know, I mean, to me, that's amazing and it's a blessing and it's pretty cool and it's fun. It's good to be an American, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. And I tend to want to dip my fingers into as many different things. I want to know kind of what's going on with the pop music and what's going on with the rock and the hip hop and everything. And I want to see like most of the popular movies. I end up feeling a burden of wanting to be able to talk and discuss, uh, you know, even things that I don't enjoy, like, you know, a Netflix show will get popular and I'll be like, okay, I guess I better watch this so I can have that water cooler conversation. Yeah, I've never really felt a lot of that that pressure hmm, me either. myself. Where I have felt that pressure is more like, man, I got to keep up with my teams and the standings and the stats or whatever. Right. Or I have something smart to say about, you know, the latest trade or the, the whatever. 
Right. Well, I've just always, I hear other people and they have these great stories about their lives. Like, I went to the bank yesterday and something interesting happened. And then they tell you the story and it's funny and it's stuff. It's like, I never go to the, nothing interesting happens when I go to the bank. So it's like, if I'm going to have anything to talk about with anybody, then it's going to be like, did you listen to the new Taylor Swift album? <laughs> you know, what do you think about Star Wars? I mean, there, there are certain communal things that everybody's engaging with that you can engage with too and you can have an opinion and it's, yeah. it can just be a fun way to pass the you got to talk about something with people so that's that latest episode of, of saturday night live yeah 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 i mean that's coming in last night that's part of the that would have been me in college or something yeah like that. and i've tried to mature out of that and realize there's just some things i don't like and why should i bother with them yeah but for me also it's not so much a burden as just it's part of the fun like if i can just quickly absorb what taylor swift is doing so i can then have a little piece of my brain available to talk about taylor swift with younger people that like her that's fun so yeah where do we land on content overload guys i mean what's what is there actually to say about this content so you got all the world's content at your fingertips what's a christian to do it's sort of like what you said at the beginning. What's great about the internet is that everybody has a voice. And what's awful about the internet is that everybody has a voice. <laughs> There's a reason why Proverbs says, under three things, the earth quakes, under four, it cannot bear up. Under a slave, when he becomes a king and a fool, when he's satisfied with food. As you alluded to earlier, what the internet has done in a lot of ways has made us all kings, mm-hmm. made us all satisfied with food, whether we're fools or whether we're wise. And so it's just all there at our fingertips. And so it's sort of like the Wild West. Anything goes and anybody with access to the internet can get a hold of anything that's out there. So on the one hand, you can see that as a really great thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you said earlier, that means that people who wouldn't have an opportunity, but who have really have something to say, have an opportunity to step up. And It's nice that we can be doing this podcast and we didn't have to have some big organization approve it before we could yeah, put it out like there Yeah, it's not like we had to people. go crawling to some, yeah, to Christianity Today or, or any of the big sort of like uh, establishment things in Christian media out there. We just do our own thing and it stands or falls on its merits. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And it's a lot like uh, we talked about in social media about the Reformation, about how the printing press changed and revolutionized the way the world works by being able to, allowing us to take the Bible to the people. Right. It's an amazing, amazing thing. The flip side of that is that... Any moron can take anything to the people. Any pornographer can take any pornography to the people. Any, I mean... Yeah, and the people can do with anything sacred and holy or profane, whatever they want, without any guidance and feeling completely empowered to do so as if they were equipped to do it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, on the one hand, you, you, you've got people who are like, yeah, let's just let everybody do their own thing and find their own path forward and whatever. And on the other hand, you've got the, no, we need to control and regulate all of this for everybody. I don't think there's an easy answer to that. There's really not because you've got, on the one hand, I am glad that I have the freedom to make my thoughts known on the internet. I'm glad that like Warhorn Media has the freedom to push things forward without having to go through big organizations. I'm glad that there isn't some controlling monopoly that keeps us from putting things out. But then like, 
every hack commentator ever. It, it is annoying that there's all these people out there that just think that because they've had a thought, the demand for said thought must be brisk and Facebook, all of Facebook needs to know what I had for breakfast. But, but more so than that, all of Facebook needs to know what I thought about the Avengers movie. And my opinion is just as valid as the New York Times film critic's opinion and how dare he not like. And it never occurs to some of these people that no, actually, your opinion is not just as valid. No, you. there are people that have studied whatever the field is. There are people that have watched movies all their lives. There are people that know how movies are made. Just because you feel really strongly about this or that thing, music, movies, politics, whatever, does not mean that your opinion is just as valid. I mean, there are people that have just wholeheartedly accepted the democratization of thought such that they don't allow for any authority in thought in, in the way that we engage with the world. And I think that that's just, that's just wrong. Yeah. Proverbs really is a great place to go mm-hmm. for this sort of thing because Proverbs 18, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. Yeah. And hashtag the internet, right? Exactly. There. Yeah. That's, that's what social media is. It's fools who have come together. I mean, it's not all of social media. We talk about this too in our social media episode. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is just a bunch of fools coming together, not for understanding, not for to, to find people who are going to help them, but to just reveal their own minds because mm. they think that they're great and special. At best, to find yeah. someone else who reveals their own mind and then be like, wow, you're so great at thinking the exact same thing that I think. You must be really smart because you think... What I think. The things that I think. (laughs) I sure feel validated by you. Right. (laughs) Let's validate each other. Yeah. (laughs) So you've got, I guess if we were just going to set up two straw men on, you know, one on either side, you'd have the absolute, you know, we must have absolute authority over all thought. George Orwell, big brother must tell us what to think because the people are stupid sheep on the one end. And then on the other hand, you have... What, what I think we're a lot closer to the dangers of right now with with thought, <laughs> which, is just the, which is anarchy. Just every fool thinks that their opinion matters and there's no, there's no way to cultivate it. There's no way to sift through it. There's no one looking to any kind of an authority. It's just dumb. It's the worst part of the American experiment. Yeah. Um, Jake? Yeah, you've solved the problem for us. Well, since you put it in those terms, I think the answer is a republic, Nathan. Yes. Okay. Explain. So on the one hand, you have anarchy and absolute freedom where anybody can consume what they want to consume. Cats and, and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. And you just are on your own and you forge your own path. By forging your own path, you only ever take what you like and you have nobody else forming you or influencing you or telling you, you know, you shouldn't like that or you should really like this other thing because nobody can tell you what to do. It's a free country, whatever. Okay. On the other side, you've got the tyranny of having lots of things withheld from you saying, no, that can't be done. No, that can't be done. No, that can't be done. These are the things. Here's the prescription. Here are the things that you like. Here are the things that you're allowed to like. Here are the things you're allowed to consume. Let's remove the internet from the equation, maybe even. Let's have let's go to a, a private school of some kind where you're only going to be exposed to the very best. It's going to be handpicked for you. And you're not even going to know that Taylor Swift or whoever exists because you're only going to be exposed to the very, very best. And so it's all just sort of like dictated to you. Maybe we take the internet away and we put you on an island and we airdrop in like 
lost just, you know, the very best music, the very best whatever, as determined by somebody who thinks they know what's best for you. And this is not a false construct, by the way. Uh, China, I was just reading an article about how difficult it is for their scientists because they do not have access to a lot of, to this day, Western scientific research. They just, they, they cannot access it on the internet. It is blocked from them. And so they have to backtrack and make, they can't just access the world's learning and be part of that conversation. They have to. Yeah. If you're in North Korea, you don't get American or Western culture, music mm-hmm. or whatever. You don't have access to it. It's going to corrupt you. Right. And a lot of that's true in, in China, not just scientific, but just media, pop culture stuff. And so there is like that tie to control. Right. And I think it's easy. In, in, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and you don't have to be like a communist dictator about how you think about it. You can, all you have to do is recognize the power of art to shape and form the imagination and the character of people. Mm-hmm. You recognize the power of it, then you recognize uh, the, the value in controlling what people can consume. And because Christians know, I think, the power of art and see the dangers of it, it's easy for us sometimes to wish that there was more, more oversight, more authority, more control over, you know, to see the bad side of the anarchy. But you have to be real careful to count your blessings before you hop on the authority train because you, you can run it right into a dictatorship. You know, it's easy to say why, I think we talked about this recently on the bookening a little bit. It's easier, it's easy to say why doesn't the government censor Game of Thrones, for example, because it is just pornography. It's smut, it's wicked. But once you give the government that power, maybe they decide to censor Warhorn Media and we have to send our podcasts through an official. So it's kind of a false dichotomy. I realize that. I realize there could be a way, you know, and there probably should be a way to say no to a Christian government, you know, say no to things that are downright wicked while also allowing artists to pursue their vision and content creators to explore ideas. But you got to be kind of, you know, I mean, let's not just pretend like more authority of any kind, just add some authority into the ingredients and yay, problem solved, because that's too simplistic. Yeah. So what I, what I think the answer really is 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 decentralized authority. Um, that's why I said earlier, if you get we're talking about it in terms of anarchy or monarchy, the answer is a republic. And so instead of a top down from the Washington D.C. or whatever, or the Pope will or the Pope tell you what to like and what not to like. Uh, the fathers of of homes and the the pastors and elders of churches and the the experts in their fields. The critics at newspapers, even or or whatever I don't know what newspapers are now. Whatever the the internet's version of newspapers is. What the what the internet can can maybe allow us to think is that we're all experts in everything. And what the internet the way that we need to I think approach the internet as generalists is um, as humble people seeking understanding. And uh, there are people out there that are legitimate experts mm-hmm. uh, one way or another. And they're going to have their, their biases and they're going to have their agendas. Um, and you need to understand that. But they have specialized knowledge that they bring to bear on any particular subject. And it's good to learn from them. Yeah, I just, I hate the, I really do hate the whole, the despising of authority, even in artistic fields. You know, the idea that, oh, well, the, the film critic of The New Yorker, you know, he just doesn't like Marvel movies, so I'm not going to listen to him. It is true that the, I, mean, I don't know, I, but just let's take him as a type. The guy that writes for The New Yorker, he probably doesn't like Marvel movies. He also sees hundreds more movies a year than you do, which means he sees the same formulas over and over and over again. He's going to have a bias towards things that are different, towards things that are out there. He's going to have biases that you're not going to have because 
he is going to engage with a whole lot more of this material than you are. And mm-hmm. he is going to think about things differently than you, but he's also going to know a lot more about what's going on and he's just going to have to engage with it all the time. And you should, you can, it's okay to disagree with him, but don't just assume he's an idiot because he seems a little bit bored with Marvel movies and you're not. So, a republic. A republic. We have our answer. Sure, I'll, I'll be president. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> you to be president of our republic? Great. You going to vote for Ben to be president of the republic for which we stand? No. Yeah, me oh. neither. Uh, oh. well, I guess it depends on who he's running against. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I can count on your support. Just find yourself a Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> and then even some very interesting people can begin to look kind of appetizing. <laughs> I think what you haven't begun to deal with, it's easy for you to say, let's create a republic. Let's combine the best aspects of authority and democracy and find our way forward through this mess of content, Jake. But what you haven't begun to deal with is the fact that we actually are living pretty much in pure anarchy right now. Everyone does what they want. Everyone says what they want. And it has led to the degradation, not just of art, but through art, the degradation of culture culture at large. We've made fools kings, and now the fools call the shots. Right. And the fact is, authority doesn't really go away. Anarchy is monarchy in that... It's a million little monarchs. Well, it's it's, it's, uh, what I want to say. I'm not quite sure how to articulate this, but it's like when, when the mob gets mad at the New York Times for publishing a bad review of a DC movie, for example, the mob is being ruled by a corporate interest. They're being ruled by the fact that Warner Brothers has decided to tell them to like DC movies, even though DC movies actually aren't very good. Yeah. And so what they've done is they've made a big show of saying, we don't have a king. You can't tell us what to do. And then it turns out you can tell them what to do. They're just, they just don't know it. And you so, can tell them what to do more easily. Right. Even. And so what ends up happening is that the shiftiest, most, the people that stand to gain the most and are the smartest end up ruling the mob and the mob, because the mob- Ruling the the mob by shaping their appetites. By shaping their appetites. And and feeding their appetites. Right. And the mob has no recourse. Like if we all accept that there are authorities, then we can be like, there are authorities and this authority is bad. We should get rid of it. But if we just say, woohoo! no authority then we lie to ourselves and we don't even see the bad authority when it sneaks in and begins to i don't know if i'm articulating this well but you know what i'm trying to say yeah no i think i think that that's a a strong argument because the the reality is so there there are two things going on there there is the fact that like okay we say there's no authority well there there are authorities but we have to pretend like they don't exist and we we can't see who they are right and they're the forces that are sort of guiding and governing things on the on the other side of that you have that proverb um when a fool becomes a, a king then it's the fool and his appetites who are who are dictating where things are headed mm-hmm. and so everything is playing 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 to the fool and that's where you get the degradation of art and that's where you get the degradation of culture is everybody's playing to the fools and just trying to swindle the fools and lead the fools around wherever they want to take them. Right. Because the fools are led by their appetites instead of being governed by wisdom and discretion. Okay. So, for example, let's pretend like you have a woman who believes in the authority of her husband and the authority of the church over her husband. She, if her husband is a lazy jerk, 
can go to her pastors and say, hey, my husband is an authority over me, but he's a lazy jerk. You should tell him to get a job. And then the pastors and elders will be like, hey, husband, get a job. Then now let's contrast that with a woman who does not believe in the authority of the church or the authority of her husband. She is still ruled by the fact that her husband won't get a job. Her life is still in tatters because her husband won't care for her or provide for her, but she has no recourse Right. All she can do is nag at him and decide to pull herself up by her bootstraps and just carry him or leave him. Right. Those are her options then. Right. But yay, she doesn't believe in authority. No one tells her what to do. Might actually be nice if somebody told her what to do because then she would have the recourses that God has put in place through people that tell us what to do. That's a metaphor. What's the metaphor for? It's for a person who is not ruled by, they're, they're not ruled by any critics, by any curators. Nobody's going to tell them what kind of content to engage with. It's certainly the church or their father or their husband or their anyone, you know, I mean, nobody's going to tell them their teacher, whatever. They're just going to do what they want. They're going to be ruled by their appetites. And it turns out that there are a lot of very smart, sophisticated, and wealthy and powerful people who are good at shaping appetites. And so they will still be ruled. They will simply be ruled by the corporate interests of the movie makers and of the um, taste makers and of Hollywood and of New York and of the elites. We are all ruled by the elites who set our appetites and who tell us what to like. And it turns out if we were actually able to just say, you know what, someone's always going to tell me what to like. My tastes are going to be shaped. I'm going to be uh, proactive about submitting myself to good places to submit to shape my tastes, then we would maybe live in a happier world and we'd be able to, to dig through some of this content in a good place. But we do not do that. We live in anarchy. And so that's what we need. We need we need mediating authorities, right? And we need to be proactive about how we submit them, ourselves to them. And in this case, it means, I think it means a lot of things. I think in this case, it means letting your taste be dictated by your family and by the church and by the people that God actually has already put in authority over you. It also means finding good tastemakers out there, and they, they do exist, and uh, submitting your taste to them where applicable and good. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things to work through, but I really just think, you know, this isn't rocket science. And, and so that's... Uh, I'm glad that I solved this. Oh no, the devil's advocacy alarm is going off. Oh now? yeah. Uh, all right. Well, you guys know the devil's advocacy alarm. I guess that's still going off in 2018. It's DWA. The devil's advocacy alarm is part of the show where someone argues for the opposite opinion. And Jake, it looks like you have some things that you want to say. Yeah. Here's what I want to say to you. Please explain to me how your Republican way of of pulling this off is going to actually work. The fact is, we live in the Wild West. What has happened since the printing press has been out, and what, what has especially happened since the development of the internet, is everything is just wide, wide open. And there is no way to throw your mediating into it sounds really great mediating institutions or whatever that sounds like a sophisticated theological phrase but the fact is pandora's box has been opened and so you have really only one of two choices you either have to accept that pandora's box is open and everybody has full access to everything and there is no way to control that and there is no way to insert mediating authorities in there or you have to decide we're going to find a way to close it back up one way or the other. But you can't have a middle way. As long as the internet's out there and open, p- 
people are going to have access to stuff and they're going to be able to go around your mediating authorities and mediating institutions. They're going to be able to go around. You, did you uh, have any trouble going around your mom and dad as they tried to filter what you consumed nope. as a kid? Did you have any uh, care or concern for the teachers in your life? You had the internet. You didn't have to have your teacher tell you about you know what books to read or what movies to like. You didn't have to have your mom and dad tell you. You could just totally subvert that because the internet was there. And so guess what? It's just a, it, it can't happen. It's a, it's a, it's a fictitious, it's just not going to happen that way. There's either going to be total control or there's going to be no control. But devil, the, my parents put filters on the internet and it took me like almost five minutes to get, a, get around them. Uh-huh. Well, there you have it. So I guess that wasn't a very good argument against the devil after all. <laughs> <laughs> but they're better now. <laughs> it might take a modern kid 10 minutes. Yeah. Listen, you just need to decide. Do you want do you want to empower fools to be kings and have that's what's the, that's what's led to the fall of the west fools running around as kings dictating the tastes and and dictating the direction of culture everybody has access to everything so every fool who thinks he has an opinion thinks he has a right to lead a revolution or do you want there to be authority and with authority tyranny and abuses but I don't know. There's a pretty great advantages with that too that may actually be better than anarchy. <sighs> Your middle way is just not going to work and it's proven to not work. Man. Devil called my bluff there. Well, I guess it's I guess we should probably just end this episode cuz I already made my point. I thought it was pretty good. Meeting authority sounded good. I thought well, I was pretty proud of myself and then Yeah, I'd like to come up with another argument, but I just think it's obvious. I, I mean, I'm just a slave to my own appetites when I try to do that basically. Right, so I yeah. just I don't even know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Jake will play the good devil and I already did my best, uh, so you know, me and huh. Jake are out of the equation, I guess. Well, but, uh, we should we should end you, the episode, right? You, but no, I actually that. You know, something, a few things just came to mind. Ben? In response to the devil. Are you the hero that's going to rise <laughs> and save this episode? Are you Neo in the Matrix? Wow. Is Trinity kissing you somewhere uh, <laughs> uh, uh, in your unplugged form right now? Uh, I can. I guess I can only hope, but I'm not sure that I do hope for that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, do you want to try and take down... Well, uh, yeah. I mean... Your little, uh, like... Uh, David versus Goliath here. Yeah, I I think so, because I think really a lot of, pretty much all the devil's argument boils down to is just that because people can rebel, they always are going to inevitably. In other words, I mean, really, if 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 we extend the the devil's argument all the way, all he's saying is no one will ever really submit to any authority, so you just have to control them. In fact, I, I, yeah, I think that's what it just, so, but... As Christians, we can look at we could look at the Reformation. Why don't we? The Reformation is when suddenly a lot of ordinary people got their hands on a Bible. It's Luther's German translation of the Bible that well, it revolutionized a lot of things, but for one thing, the common people actually got to read the word of God. And suddenly they were able to do what Christians have always had the responsibility to do. Maybe the most concise place you could go is the description of the Bereans in Acts. They were honorable because they took responsibility to search the scriptures to to see, hey, is what is what Paul is saying true? They were submitting to Paul's authority, but they but they questioned it at the same time according to an ultimate standard, and that standard is the word of God. And so they didn't rebel. They they made their own investigation and they submitted to Paul. And and their own investigation turned out to be in line 
with their submission to Paul. And so what the Reformation kind of reinstated for most of the, for a lot of the Christian church was you have a responsibility to interpret your world. Not, I'm just, I'm extending it beyond the Bible. You have a responsibility to know the Bible as a Christian, but that doesn't, that doesn't remove your responsibility to submit to pastors. You have to do both. You have to know the Bible. You have to make arguments. You have to understand true doctrine. You have to call out false doctrine, even if you're, you're not a pastor or a priest or anything. You're just an ordinary believer. You can't escape the responsibility, but you can't escape the responsibility either of submitting to your pastor. You have to always do both. And that is a kind of, that is a tension. Like we say, live the tension, but it's there in the word of God. And how can you not apply that to our content? You, you can't tell people they're not responsible to think about their music and movies, to filter things, to make their own decisions. I mean, in short, to have some self-control. Does your stomach want to watch Game of Thrones? Well, probably it does. But in your conscience, where the spirit of God lives, if you're a Christian, in your heart, you know, no. That's not right. That's not wise. That's not godly. That's not helpful. Maybe you're fortunate enough to have like a dad or a mom or an elder at your church to also kind of reinforce that for you and tell you, hey, dude, Game of Thrones is a bad idea. And that's a help. Could you know that without them telling you? Well, hopefully so. <laughs> it's not that hard. And But then they tell you and God is blessing you with a further chance to submit and to understand and even to think for yourself about just why it's so bad. So these things go together. Personal responsibility and authority go together, and we're, we're not permitted to separate them. We can't separate them with music or movies. We can't separate them with regard to the most important thing, which is the Word of God. And so the devil's arguments can't hold. The power in the devil's arguments lies in the fact that the church hasn't been doing her job to, to raise up a wise, mature moral citizenry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And and when when the church doesn't do her job to raise up men and women who are wise, mature and godly, then they're vulnerable to tyranny, prone to anarchy. And and when and pe- when people yeah. when moral people who are trying to make sense of these kinds of things see anarchy, one of the first answers that they always say is tyranny. I mean, we elected Donald Trump to be our leader for crying out loud because you want it actually felt good to a lot of people to put a bully in the White House because at least he was their bully. He was their bully. And at least he was going to impose some kind of order. And when you feel yourself in the free fall of having no order, no authority, everything feels like anarchy, everything feels like it's going to hell, you suddenly want that that's that, how people like Hitler, that's how the great dictators and tyrants inevitably rise is because the people are like, give us some authority, please. And then they accept bad authority. And, the, and that's also behind a lot of the problems in homeschooling families, wh- where homeschooling families come from. The bad sort, not, not the good sort. Mm-hmm. No, the good sort's out there and probably the good sort listens to the show. Maybe mm-hmm. the bad sort does too, though. And, you know, you have the anarchy of letting your kids loose and go and be trained and raised by the corrupting, liberal, li- liberalizing public institutions out there, and then you respond with, I'm going to protect my kids from every possible outside influence and rule my home with an iron hand, and we're going to circle the wagons, and if I can just control what comes in and out of my home, then my kids will be fine, safe, protected. Mm -hmm. And it it doesn't work like that either, because... And then then there's the other kind of homeschooling anarchy, which maybe a little bit, well, I, yeah, I guess it's, if it, if it exists among our listeners, it's, it's more rare, but where you just, you, you do the other kind of anarchy and you let your kids 
just educate themselves and you and you do everything you can to continually put all the responsibility for their their development and their training back on themselves so that they'll just learn to be totally independent. Right. But the reality is as a mother and father you have a responsibility to raise mature, discerning, wise children mm-hmm. who know how to engage with the world. Yeah. Who know not just what to think, but how to think. And that's the job of every mediating institution. That's the job of the fathers and mothers at home. That's the job of the church. I mean, it sounds like there might even be enough material for another episode if we have to talk <laughs> about curators and what, what, what that well, looks like. And also like. we have to and talk about the fact that the Reformation caused a ton of bloodshed. I mean, yeah. like, peasant revolts. Peasant I was gonna. Results. I was gonna. Oh yeah. yeah. I was gonna interject that, and then I said, "No, I've left the devil behind." Well, but, but but seriously, like, yeah, it gets bloody <laughs> when you start to try and think about how to make this stuff work, and it's hard, and it's very easy to mess up on the other side, and that doesn't mean that we're we're not gonna just wave our magic, live the tension wand, and be done. But we are gonna be done with this episode and come back with a to solve the cliffhanger of how do you make it all work next week. But first, we are going to play a fun game, the alphabet game. Alphabet, my favorite game. We're going to play this. is going to be our lightning round. It's going to be really fast. All you have to do is name a pop culture thing that starts with the letter A, B, C, D. We'll go through them. Uh, okay, here we go. Any, it could be anything from pop culture. And we're going to go, this is going to be really fast. It's just going to be like that. Oh, I'm okay. good at fast. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Angels in the outfield. Bilbo Baggins. Cars. Uh, dogs go to heaven, comma, all. <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe. Frankenstein. Um, Godzilla. Incredibles, comma, the. You've skipped H? What? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the alphabet thing. It threw me off. <laughs> uh, uh, Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Ira Glass. Jim Carrey. <laughs> Okay. Um, JK. Uh, okay. Yeah, right. right. Um, oh. King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Leo Messi. Magic Mike. <laughs> Gross. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm saying it to be good pop culture things. I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, Nine Inch Nails. I've never listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> Orwell. <laughs> Papa Hemingway. <laughs> Papa Hemingway. Queen. Q R. This like Romeo five, and Juliet. Five million different. Romeo must die. Ren. Yeah. Ren. <laughs> Ren and Skippy. Ren. Comma Kylo. <laughs> Ray from Star Wars. Ray. Star Wars. <laughs> the Force Awakens. <laughs> <laughs> U571. Element uh, um, <coughs> O P Q R. Wait, where am I? What's my letter? V. <laughs> v. For Vendetta. V for Vendetta. V for Vendetta. Uh. Warner Brothers. <laughs> Warner Brothers. X, as in Professor X. Oh. <laughs> um, X, W. What about Bob? Zoolander. Uh, sorry about that. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm on Y. Uh, you've got Mail, starring Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. There you go. Zoolander. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> hey, we got a pastor's conference coming up, right, Jake? That's right. February 21st to 23rd. People can sign up now. Where would they go to sign up? Uh, warhornmedia.com. <coughs> you can find registration there. 
be live. Name of the con- conference is? The Good Fight, Conflict in Christian Ministry. That's right. It's open to all shepherds, leaders, pastors. Those I say pastors conference, the offices but... uh, featuring uh, pastors Tim Bailey, Toby Sumter, and Max Carell. There you go. Sounds like a fine time will be had by all. Hey, speaking of fine times, Sound of Sanity was engineered by Benjamin Salser, produced by Nathan Alberson, executive produced by Jacob Benzel and Nathan Alberson. Until next time, stay sane. <laughs>